What do we say we're going to name this thing? Uh, the Mansfields After Dark. Is that it? I'm nervous because I know I'm being recorded. <laughs> Welcome. Okay. Let's do that Wait, again. we need a tagline. Maybe we should write it down and then we can read it so that it's a little more fancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you think it should be fancy? I don't know that I've ever listened to a fancy podcast. <laughs> Welcome to The Mansfields After Dark, where we have conversations about creativity. After we put our kids to bed. From our school bus turned studio in our backyard. I'm Sasquatch Mansfield. And I'm Molly Mansfield. All right. That's good to me. I think that was pretty good. Okay. How many of us really want life? Life more abundant. Life which does not promise any fringe benefits or early retirement plans. Life which does not promise the absence of pain or love, which is not vulnerable and open to hurt. The number of people who attempt to withdraw from life through the abuse of alcohol, tranquilizers, barbiturates, is statistically shocking. How many of us dare to open ourselves to that truth which would make us free? Free to talk to Roman Catholics or Charismatics or Jews, as Jesus was free to talk to tax collectors or publicans or Samaritans. Free to feast at the Lord's table with those whose understanding of the body and blood may be a little different from ours. Free to listen to angels. Free to run across the lake when we are called. So we are talking about Walking on Water, Chapter 2. Chapter 2. By Madeline Lingle. It's the slowest book club in the world. (laughs) But we're here for it. Yeah, man, I have so many notes. Good, because I didn't take very good notes. Okay, um, perfect. My brain is going for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, the first like big, I think one of the biggest takeaways from this chapter mm-hmm. for me is just like I'm kind of just really inspired about how much art, great art, she consumes and is so familiar with and mm-hmm. knows really well to be able to like mm-hmm. you know use it in this in reference it in this book, right. Um, in this chapter, she talks about a lot of different works and different types of work. And I'm just like, man, I want to, I don't know a lot of these and I want to look them up. Yeah. Yeah. Not just, it's not that she just knows of them or knows of the work, but knows like the background of it Mm -hmm. and the, you know, like she mentions Bach multiple times and how he put his thumb over the top of the keyboard instead of under? I think she said he puts it his thumb under. Right. Oh. Well, I don't even... I don't know what that means. But... Yeah. I th- you, but think it has to do with, like, his fingering. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, but I... Yeah, okay. Apparently I, I that know. was, like... Uh, Sacrilegious. Yeah. You were, you were a heathen demon child. If you're playing, like playing piano like that that's the devil's way of playing piano <laughs> so crazy yeah Time, times change you know man it's really wild yeah yeah um yeah what what do you what would you say was the main thesis of this chapter um the icon it's called icons of the true 
Okay. And that I feel like it, she titled it really well. Mm -hmm. It was definitely started with the icon and kind of ended that way. Yeah. Yeah. Early on in the chapter, she mentions, um, uh, she's just kind of reflecting on how we don't have headstones of, uh, you know, five children lost to like scarlet fever or whatever. Man, it really does give you a lot of perspective of like, we got it pretty good. Yeah. We don't really have to worry about our kids dying, like all of them. Mm -hmm. That'd be rough. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That'd be a hard thing to go through. Think about it or talk about it. So. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. That's where we're different. <laughs> I like thinking of dark things because it gives me good perspective. But we don't have to talk about it on the podcast or ever. ever it's again. a real um, beet and spinach situation. It's a beet and spinach situation for sure. You got to read the book. <laughs> we're not going to explain that one. Um. Yeah, I think, you know, she also brought up that uh, we don't, we, we have choices. We have so many choices, free choices to make. Mm -hmm. And I think I disagree with her on that front. Um, I think we are bound by, it's hard. It's like, how, how free are we? Mm -hmm. um, because our circumstances, our situations really influence the way that we make decisions. So really, we're kind of bound by our systems that were, uh, they, they influence us, you know? Mm -hmm. And so in a way, we're not actually uh, making free decisions Gotcha. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think because the term free there means that it's like unencumbered by any other, you know, outside force. Mm -hmm. But all of our decisions are based on all of the other outside forces. Always. We're never actually making free decisions. We're always influenced by something, someone else. Yeah. yeah. The thing about that, that she was saying about that, that um, kind of put up a question mark for me was she said that um, our choices are what makes us human. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I think, don't animals have choices? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not an animal. I mean, I think they I mean, do. I, like, I, like our dog, Daisy, you know, like she's... We we're going on a walk and she sees a cat, and like she she like you know her hair starts standing up and she's like she wants to go chase that cat. It's just instinct. And I'm like Daisy, and I like give her a little tug on the leash, mm -hmm. and so she has to like choose to obey me and like walk with me or to like try to run off and chase that cat. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. I have always thought, or not always, but I guess. Um, I, one of the things that I think makes humans human, I thought is that we make art. 
Oh, yeah. That's what um, Sister Wendy Mm -hmm. said. Yeah. Good old Sister Wendy. We've mentioned her before probably on this podcast. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like we have. Yeah. uh, I think it's like the first episode of Sister Wendy. She goes to like these cave paintings and she mentions, oh, this is this is the first recorded human like thing. Uh-huh. We know a civilization is a civilization whenever it has art. Yeah. That's what she said. I believe Sister Wendy. <laughs> I think she's smart. Maybe Madeline Lingle is saying that the choices don't define our humanity, but they're like part of being part of being human is making choices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, Something that she said in this book, I don't know what I just wrote yin yang. Um, You know, that symbol. Uh It reminded me of that because so like that is, you know, darkness and light. Mm hmm. But then within darkness, there is light. And within the light, there is a little darkness, mm-hmm. you know. And so um, Joseph Campbell talks about it a bit of how it's, there is no outside force that is completely foreign. We have a little bit of each other. So if I'm, let's say, like a good person, quotes, I still have darkness in me. And if there's someone that is a, quote, bad person, they still have light in them. And that is how we relate. And that's how, I think, I I don't know. I don't know what she mentioned in it, but I wrote it down. And I thought that's a, it, it just gives you so much, so much clarity around how to, how to deal with other humans. It's like, we're all on this thing, this floating rock, traveling, hurling through space, following a fireball. It's like, life's hard. It's okay. You know, gives you compassion on the other. Because in them, as different as they are, there is still light or darkness, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, she definitely talked a lot in this chapter about, like, um, different kinds of... Well, I think she... Okay, she started by talking about, like, religious art versus Mm -hmm. secular art. And kind of saying that there is none of these. Mm -hmm. All true art is religious art because all true art is um, incarnational. It's an icon. It's an icon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she said that religious art is is bad art and bad religion. That was like, yes. <laughs> There's so much. I hate religious art so much. Um, but it's just it's just that it's bad art. It's not that it's like religious necessarily like i mean clear i mean you know there's plenty of like sistine chapel or you know things like that it's like this is technically religious art right but it's way way above anything that any 
like most contemporary Christian or religious artists are making, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it's just good art. Mm-hmm. So it's just just make good art. Um, yeah, I like. I like that she said it's yeah, bad religion. Yeah, just make good art. It's, it's very Come interesting. Come on, man. Yeah. Just ne- make good art. Neil Gaiman thing. Cat explodes, make good art. Yeah, but... <laughs> like, that's the... that I think that's like the... I mean, to me, that's kind of like one of the big reasons to, like, show up at the canvas. Is mm. like, you know, I'm like always, like, striving to do that. Like, easier said than done. Mm. Yes, very much easier said than done. I do like that the you know, all all good or great art is a sign. Mm-hmm. It's a it's like a mirror. It's a reflection, you know. It's it's pointing towards something or reflecting something back. And and we've talked about this before. We we have a a mutual friend most of our friends now are mutual <laughs> <laughs> after what 13 years of marriage um <laughs> but you know they make art that is um it it really just like says something back to the culture that that culture wants to hear mm. you know and they sell a bunch is great for them, you know? Um, but what they're doing, like they're not pointing to anything to be changed. It's more of like a mirror of saying, yes, I agree with you. It's kind of an echo chamber a little bit, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing wrong with that. I think, I think that, that is art is a good, way for us to look at like you know in history we we can look at this art and see what was like what it was like in that culture and that history because a lot of art reflects culture but then there's other art that um may might not sell as good um that is like a a future pointing or like a a, a pointing at um the the darker parts of our society and causes us to look at those and people don't like that as much yeah she did um she did make a kind of interesting case for that at kind of the end of this chapter Mm -hmm. where she's talking about um um she used the example of shakespeare and that he was kind of um sensational and like really popular in his time like kind of kind of um uh, feeding off of or into like the trend, right? But his work ended up being, she was like, he he was criticized basically for being trendy. Mm, interesting. And um, the immortal bard, yeah. Then, you know, his he ended up being timeless, obviously, but yeah. Um, yeah, she was kind of kind of making a defense for that for that trendy work or that work that is so popular mm-hmm. um because it gets to a lot of people. It does. Yeah. So it but that but, was an interesting yeah. point of view. 
And they both serve purposes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what I was saying, I wasn't saying is right or wrong at all. I was just saying, like, there's different, there's different signs, different icons. Mm -hmm. There's the future pointing or the, uh, you know, you guys need to look at this kind of thing. And then there's the echo chamber of it, um, which both are fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she also, she said, um, God is no respecter of persons. He gives talent freely. And I thought of like some of my favorite um, authors. Like I love, uh, he wrote Fight Club, Chuck Palahniuk. I think he's a brilliant writer. Uh, Cormac McCarthy, I love his writing. Brilliant writer. Uh, they're dark. Mm-hmm. They're really dark. And people don't understand it. Like, they don't understand how I can enjoy such darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's craft in it. There's so much talent behind all that. And it's it's... Yeah, it's, I guess it's like, you know, it's not for everybody, obviously, but it's, I, I respect what they are able to do so much that I can like look past some of the like, well, in, in a way that they're, they're kind of holding up the, like the dark mirror, you know what I mean? They're, they're showing like the darkest parts of humanity yeah. in their books uh, and people don't like to look at the dark parts of humanity. They would rather yeah. read something, you know, Jane Eyre or whatever. Oh, that's pretty dark, babe. Jane Eyre? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Haven't read it. <laughs> I just figured it was good. Airy. That's what I figured. I just picked that because it it sounded <laughs> airy. God. No, it's not light and airy. Okay. Well. Um, what were you saying? I was saying that uh, God is no respecter of persons. Yes. Yeah. I I had a thought, but my mind is kind of going blank. Oh, no. But it'll come back. Yeah, sure. Okay. Uh, Living Mysteries. Do you remember this thing? Uh-huh. I wrote down I wrote down living mystery and that's it. <laughs> but I remember that was the part where she was talking about um not forgetting about having all the answers and when you have all the answers then you start forgetting the questions. Widow's might and Bach were the references that she had. So the widow's might you remember this story? Um so the widow um is giving money to there's like an offering offering, or something and and like you know a rich person puts in some money out of his excess some shekels and the widow puts in a single mite and Mm -hmm. it's significantly less than the amount that the rich person put in Mm -hmm. but jesus looked at her and said that she put in more than he did because he was giving out of his excess and she was giving everything that she had. Mm-hmm. So that's a living mystery. <laughs> oh, 
did you bring this up if you don't remember it? Um, <laughs> I figured you would. <laughs> she was saying that neither of these things, she was making kind of a, a case for God, for the existence of God. Mm -hmm. And so she was saying that neither of these things can exist without God. Mm -hmm. Sure. Things that don't make sense without God. Right. Bach is one of them. The yeah. widow's might is another right. example. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's so many others. But yeah. Interesting. It's an interesting idea. Okay. What do you, what do you think sh it means that all true art is incarnational? Uh, well, let's define incarnation. Yeah, I just wanted to like... Oh, and she left... And I wanted back. to get the dictionary. It's her phone, guys. It's not a dictionary at all. Uh, incarnational means um, in the flesh. Incarnation, a person who embodies in the flesh a deity, spirit, or abstract quality. The incarnation in Christian theology, the embodiment of God in the Son the embodiment of God the Son in human flesh as Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what she's talking about. Sure. So all true art is incarnational. It embodies God. Mm. Okay. Which is true. I mean, we're we're just we're just creating from from the great creator, right? Like we don't actually create anything. We're sub creators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we create out, out of, of creation. Creation. Right. He created out of nothing. Right. Ex nihilo. It's Latin. Out of nothing. And so our art knee is uh, all true art. Is this what she says? Mm -hmm. Is incarnational, meaning that it's it embodies God. It is that that force, that energy that we receive. Mm-hmm. That's being put out there. It affirms meaning mm. and mm -hmm. sure. is an icon. It, it she when she talked about the icon, that was interesting. Um she was saying that it's more than just a sign saying like, mm -hmm. you know, this is the way to Athens. It's more than just pointing the way to something, but you sure. see Yeah, the sign the sign is not Mary's Athens. tenderness. Sure. sure. And, you know, the vulnerable baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. So you you pick up more in the icon than you do Sweet in just Jesus. a sign. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, to that end, I, I actually have a note in here that, that ties into this incarnational idea um, that goes back to, like, Cormac and uh, Chuck Palahniuk is, like, when I read their books... Like, I I see God in it. You know what I mean? Um, which then reminds me of a Me Without You song. It's like, and everywhere we look. Um, yeah. A lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and everyone we meet, a lot. Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, that's, that's totally it. That's what I... I'm able to read these really, really dark novels... And see God in them. 
Mm-hmm. That's a living mystery, you know? Yeah. But she talked to this was what I was going to say earlier. She talked about that. Um, like, how can we define what art is or what religious art is? Mm-hmm. And like to even think that we could do that is presumptuous because it's basically it's so subjective. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like what is religious art for you? Like what has meaning to you and what points you to light and points you to God might be very different or even repulsive mm. to somebody else. Sure. Yes. And what, you know, what draws them to God might not do that for you. Oh yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's such a, such a mature way to look at it. Like and and she was even referencing like, um, those like blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus, paintings yeah she's like i hate them yeah and i do too but there are people that love them so much (laughs) apparently Uh, apparently (laughs) or i don't know i don't know it doesn't i don't understand it and it's hard for me to like say that that can be good art but i don't know i guess it. but if it if it draws if it is incarnational for them, sure. then it would be yeah. good art in, Which like in their life. You know? Just shows the diversity of creation and yeah. diversity of culture and all that stuff. The beauty of it all. The um yeah. Yeah. There was a I I just wrote uh Don't Stop or We'll Die. Um and that reminded me, uh, well, just to remind me of what she was saying, she was saying that, um, she, she like wrote for like 10 years without making much money at all or something like that. With just only rejection in that, or it only sounds like rejection. Yeah. she made it sound like she only received rejection in yeah. that, in that decade. Yeah. But then, but then she was saying like, and you and I both have this where it's like, if I'm not creating, if you're not painting, if I'm not doing photography, videography, or writing, or any of the other things, you know, whatever, um, like I will die inside, mm-hmm. and I okay. have I have definitely died before, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, and it's good to be alive. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll never die again. Uh, no matter how much money we don't make. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked how she talked about um, the art needing to be seen because I've really thought about this and like felt this Mm, like, yeah, the conversation, a child that um, like it just, this just comes so naturally. This is like naturally a part of creativity. When children create something, when they make something, when they draw a picture they immediately like show it. Yep. You know, they're like, Mom, look Check at this. Look what I made. Yeah. It's our house. <laughs> and I mean, I feel that too. Like I I don't understand Emily Dickinson, um, who like yeah. hoarded her poems in yeah. a closet. Uh, there's some trauma there, I'm sure. I mean I and I've tried to like understand like what 
this drive is to like want to share the um the painting you know but she talks about um art as being communication and so that it needs to be it needs to be heard it needs to be communicated if there's no communication it's as though the work had been stillborn yeah yeah i mean anytime that i finish an edit on something or you know i always send it to you you're like the first uh-huh. person i'm like look at this um because i'm proud of it and i want someone to enjoy it yeah and then it kind of once it's out there and like once the viewer or listener or reader or whatever is you know taking it in mm-hmm. like they're playing a role right in this piece right and it becomes like there's a collaboration that happens mm-hmm. there's a conversation that happens. yeah 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 but it's it, it also it functions in a way from me letting it go mm. too totally like maybe maybe that's what dickinson was doing was she never wanted to let any of it go she mm. wanted to keep it for herself, you know, maybe, maybe it was just selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean the, the idea of keeping it to yourself is like, I don't know if this will come again. It's like this scarcity mindset. Maybe. Oh, right. Could be. This is all speculative, but for me, I'm always, I have to let this go as soon as possible. That's why like, I don't sit on projects. If I edit something, I want it out there in the world. If I get film scans back, I want it out there in the like. I just need to get rid of it and put it out in the world so that I can create more. Yeah, I relate to that. Move yeah. on to the next thing. Yep. yep. And the next project is always the most done. exciting. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. An artist is not a consumer. Mm-hmm. They are a nur- nurturer. Okay, I'll just Nourisher. read that quote. That was yeah. really good. Um, for an artist is not a consumer, as our commercials urge us to be. An artist is a nourisher and a creator who knows that during the act of creation, there is collaboration. We do not create alone. Yeah, it's uh, that's why patrons are so important to the artist. Mm-hmm. Because they're not just... And I, I think this is a good thing for artists to keep in their mind. A lot of times we think of our patrons as, I don't know, as a transaction or something like that. But it's not that. It is they are partnering with you on the art. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, you know, it can be like a buzzwordy thing to say on your Patreon you know, come partner with me or whatever. But like the, the, you know, I think really in your heart, believing that changes the way that you look at that landscape, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, looks like you don't have anything else to say and we can be done here. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Um, bye.